Welcome to Prop Chat. We are here to talk about property, the ups, the downs, and how you can get started in property investing. And now, here's your host, Dave McGlashan. Hello and welcome back to Prop Chat. First and foremost, apologies for the brief hiatus we took over there. We, we got a little busy, um, but what we're doing is getting straight back into podcasting by giving you some of our recorded content, some of our live webinars that we've been doing. Um, so there's a nice big backlog for you guys to work through. I uh, really hope you enjoy it. If you want to catch these live, it happens on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 1 o'clock on our Facebook page. You're welcome to join us. Otherwise, the recordings will always come up over here on the podcast, so you're welcome to catch up here. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another live update from myself, Andrew Walker, and the SA Property Investors Network. Now, for the regulars out there, you'll know for the past five, six weeks, you know, we've been coming to you live with various different property practitioners from insurance companies to conveyances to all different type of, of people in the property industry because, you know, we all, like myself, I'm a, I'm a property residential investor, and it's so important in these times we understand where are we? What's you know? What's going to be happening? Where are we with lockdown? And really, how it's affecting all of us. Um, and today, I'm super excited because you know I was thinking this week, and I was talking to Saul Stain about um, you know who who haven't we had, and we haven't had estate agents on this call. And when you really think about, it, and most people don't think about the real impact of South Africa, the economy, and you know, and people go, yes, estate agents aren't getting paid. They're not getting the commission. There are delays. But it's bigger than that, ladies and gents. What about all the other people, all the other, the, the effect that tradesmen will have, all the other property practitioners? And that's what I want to discuss today. But before we go there, um, I've got you live on Facebook here. Remember that this will be recorded and we will be putting this back onto the SA Property Network page. Just go to jointsappen.com forward slash COVID-19 where you can access the recording of this. Now, I want to see... Who is on this call? Let us know. Are you from Durban, Joburg, Cape Town? What city are you from? And let me know, are you a, are you an estate agent? Uh, are you an investor? Are you a tenant? Let us know now. And here is the thing. Can you tag your friends and family? We need to let as many South Africans know about this live call that, that's coming up right now because this this call, yes, we have some big players in the estate agency industry on this call with us. And we're going to be discussing the real impact to the economy and to the people that will be affected by not allowing state agents to operate in level four of lockdown. So please, if you could all uh, let us know now, please tag your friends. Let us know what is happening, ladies and gents. Let us know where you are. I've got you up here on the iPad. Okay, so I think let's let's get into it because as most of you know, these calls do last between 30 to 40 minutes. I've already had some questions for Adrian and Barry and Silna. Um, and remember to ask your questions. So in Facebook, in the comments, um, if you have any questions for Barry from Chaz Everett or, or Adrian from Remax or Silna, please ask those questions now. Um, this is going to be a very, very valuable call that we're going to be doing. So... You've got the website address. Let's get straight into this. So I'd like to introduce the guests. We have Adrian Goslett, the CEO of Remax. We've then got Saul Stain from SSL um, Incorporated and Barry Everett from Chairs Everett. Welcome, everyone. Hi, nice to be here. Awesome. Good to see you, Adrian, Silna, and Barry. So this is what we're going to do. I've got quite a few questions here. Um, let's start with you, Adrian, if, if that's okay. 
Um, now, before I throw the first question at you, maybe give us some context, Adrian. Um, yes, I've introduced you, uh, Adrian, as the CEO of Remax, but give us a, a more in-depth introdu introduction to you and Remax. So, um, yeah, I've been at Remax for, uh, since 2005. I actually got asked this question the other day on radio, how did you get into the position? And, uh, I said that's... Uh, at the last recession, there was no one left. So that's how I got into this position. But uh, oh, really? I represent Remax. We're about 2,500 agents, uh, roughly, give or take. Um, and that's it. I don't know what else you need to know. I'm the CEO, which apparently stands for Chief Entertainment Officer at the moment. Cool. Sounds good. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you for that. Now, um, let's, let's start with this. So, so tell us, Adrian. How much does the real estate industry contribute towards the economy? Because I don't think people realize um, how big that actually is. Sure. Well, if you look at it in isolation, I mean, there's two ways to look at this. If you look at real estate residential sales in isolation, um, you're looking at roughly 5% contribution to, to GDP. Uh, if you include rentals in that, it could shoot anything up to 5 to 7 possibly even 8%. Even eight, even 8%. But that's just looking at real estate in, in isolation. If you take all the feeder industries, or I want to call it the multiplier industries that plug into real estate, and, and you look at the numbers of last year, September, October, November, per month contribution to tax revenue was closer to 11.5% per month. So it's a much larger number from a revenue perspective than GDP. Exactly, Adrian. And, you know, looking at where we are now, so we've gone from level uh, level five down to level four and going through the guidelines of, you know, what industries are allowed to operate in these times. Um, it's clear that estate agents are not able to operate in level four. What's the real impact to that? Let's assume now, now the thing is, Adrian, how long is level four going to I don't know. It could be three weeks, five weeks. But let's assume, Adrian, that agents cannot operate in the next four or five weeks. What is the, in your opinion, and I'm sure all the other speakers have their opinion, what's the, what's the repercussion? What's the, what's the outcome? Cool. Well, for starters, there's roughly 46,000 agents in the industry. I mean, it fluctuates all the time, but give or take 46,000. But I mean, firstly, that only counts agents, registered individuals. It doesn't count support staff and admin and everything that, that supports that environment. So it's a much bigger number, really, that, that, that is affected. But here's the, the rub of it. I mean, everybody on this call is mostly an investor, so they understand the process. I won't go too deeply into it. But essentially, if I sell a house today, I only get paid a few months from now because of transfer and registration through the deeds office and so forth. So if we went into lockdown on the 26th of March, which we did on the 26th of March, even transactions that have been concluded a month or two prior to that are locked up in the sausage machine. Uh, and obviously we still find ourselves there, even though the deeds office was meant to open this week, it, it hasn't officially opened because of PPE shortages and all that. So you, get, you have the effect of majority of the industry having zero income for a few months, for some as long as three or maybe even four months because of the length of the property transaction. So just inside of the real estate space, it's a, it's, it's a massive impact. No, of course, because I think, Adrian, that's what we're talking about, right, is we're going, yeah, an estate agent won't be allowed to operate, right? So an estate agent cannot go value a house, take the photographs, put that property in the market, and what's the, what's the, uh, what's the effect on them? Well, they, they can't list properties, they can't sell the properties, they can't earn the commission, they can't put food on the table. That's the reality. Just list off the top of your head, Adrian, who are the, who are the other individuals who are going to be affected by that? 
Well, I mean, such a long value chain. So the immediate exactly. value chain is is uh, originators and banks. And I could talk, talk quite a lot about the banking side of it. You've got the conveyances, you've got tradesmen, you know, electrician, plumbers, etc. If you just think of the home, take take a real estate hat off and just think of the home and your environment, how many different people and, and entities you engage with on a day-to-day basis. It's it's massive. Um, we, we haven't even spoken about rentals. We've got a rental specialist here. I'm sure someone's going to go into that in even more detail. Um but from our perspective, it's 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 monstrous, and and I know that there's naturally we're all worried about the health risk and the risk of transmission and so on. But we just feel, and I know we'll get to that point later, but we just feel that we're able to operate safely in our environment and limit that risk. Certainly from a from a, um, a home showing perspective, because there's technologies that enable that now. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Adrian. I um, mean, I will be coming back to you a, a little bit later on about what are you doing to try to change uh, this whole thing about agents being able to operate in level four. Um, very quickly, Silna, to yourself, and then I'm going to chat, uh, and then I'm going to jump to Barry himself. Silna, we had this chat um, yesterday about the deeds office. So we were told they were opening, and I started receiving voice messages from attorneys. Let's let's clarify. Right now, are the deeds op- are the deeds open? Yes or no? <laughs> Andrew, yes or no? The yes or no is never an answer you're going to get from me, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, the the thing is, in terms of the regulations un, under lockdown level four, the deeds office are allowed to operate. So, in terms of the regulations, they may operate. Practically, however, the deeds offices are not operating yet, as as Adrian rightly said. They have a shortage on PPE, um, and and PPE. I must say, I think two months ago nobody would have known what we talk about, and suddenly PPE is a term that we just throw around like everybody knows what we're talking about. So they don't have the masks, they don't have the equipment, they don't have the gear to protect um, people in the deeds office. So I know for a fact, as we said now, Cape Town is closed, Nelspruit is closed, uh, Joburg is closed, Pretoria is closed. I, I do not know with any certainty the other deeds offices, but I'm quite sure they are closed um, still. So they're allowed to operate, but until they can practically safely operate, they are closed. And, and the truth is, as frustrating as it is, um, in a way, um, if I look at some of the courts at this stage, especially the criminal side of courts, um, not really putting any uh, anything in place to protect the attorneys, the prosecutors, the um, accused, anybody. I would rather, and and please don't don't shoot me for this one, guys. But I would rather make sure that everything is safe in the deeds office before we all start going to it. It would be fabulous if it could be a little quicker than what we see. Um, but that's the reason why they're not operating. So when do you think they'll operate? So I know that's how long is a piece of string. But what are we talking next week? Maybe if we're lucky. And- Andrew, I'll give you a perfect give answer. Uh, <laughs> um, I'll give you the perfect answer. I think uh, the deeds office will open pretty much on the exact time as we know um, how long level four will be. Uh, I'm not saying it will end, uh, open at the end of level four. I'm saying we have no idea. Um, I do suspect and I do honestly hope that it will only take the deeds office, say, a week or so to get the PPE in place uh, to start functioning. But I haven't... Um, the, the most certain thing I've seen was a regulation from Nelspray that was talking about mid-May. Awesome. Brilliant. Thank you so much for that, Silna. Before I came to you, Barry, um, let's see who's on the line. We've got quite a few people from Chaz Everett. Julia, Julia Lehman, uh, Alan Ferreira, Anita Fresco. Hey, Anita, how are you doing? 
Alan Phillips, Natasha, got quite a lot of people all over the country. Uh, Christian Janssen, Gavin Fonzale. Remember, ladies and gents, please let your friends and family know about this live stream. Tag them in. Let us know where you are because it's so important that you get this information about what is actually happening at the deeds office. What's the effect on the SA economy? So please tag your friends and let them know about this. Okay, let's now move to Mr. Everett from Chaz Everett. How, how are you, Barry? I'm very well, thanks, Andrew. Very, very well, thank you. Fantastic. So, Barry from Chaz Everett, please tell us, uh, or before you before you answer my next, my next question, which is going to be about the knock-on effect that the banks will be having. Um, Barry, could you introduce yourself and your business for us? Okay, so Chaz Everett is a 40-year-old business. Um, it's been going for a very long time. Okay. You know, with the chat of various areas, and and that that is uh, something that we 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 follow quite regularly. Okay, brilliant. Thank you so much for that, Barry. I'm um, Barry. Just coming to you with. Um, the first question which we got on Facebook, well, it says, yeah, what kind of knock-on effect will this have on banks if the lending institutions, if homeowners can't sell, if they can't sell, they can't buy, you know, Barry, this, this could go on for a few more weeks, right? In your opinion, what knock-on effect could this have on banks and will have on banks? Well, if you understand the liquidity process, I mean, banks, banks need, to, need to lend money and there's got to be movement when the money stops. And the money flow doesn't happen, then it has a serious effect on banks because the economy, the people who live in the houses that are unable to work in their normal environments also can't sell their houses to. to and that becomes troublesome for the banks. And if people are unable to, to work, particularly in this industry of ours, we are una unable to unlock that value. And uh, banks ultimately are the ones that have property as security. And if the security devalues because the economy can't underpin that value by uh, the market prices dropping, as certain people estimate, and values uh, and units declining, we're going to find we're going to find banks will be uh, feeling some pain from distressed consumers. Sure. I um, mean, Barry, tell me, just in your personal opinion, let's say that. The government don't allow us, you know, and yes, we'll try push the government to allow agents to work in level four. But let's just say, Barry, that, you know, worst case and, you know, and agents can't work until level two, as an example. I mean, what's the repercussion of that? You know, what's. You know, if you're talking, I don't know, June or July, is that too late in, in your opinion? I think for certain for certain real estate agents and certain companies that will be too late uh, for many of them. And although they've changed their business models, and although they can operate, they just can't do the viewings, they can't do the inspections, they can't follow out the the, the disclosures that are required in terms of the property practitioners. Uh, well, these are all things that that are concerning and and will have a negative effect. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Barry. Um, Adrian, have you got anything on that? 
Yeah, one thing to add to that, um, just to give you a real life example, the other night I was on a call, I just happened to be with, uh, with a few friends. Two of them find themselves in a different industry to ours, and we were just talking about the effects of it. And they were saying that probably in around three months, if things don't change uh, very soon, i.e. they don't get to operate very soon, uh, they will have to shut their business. And these are guys that have been in business for 20, 30 years, one of them in, in construction. But, but here's the thing. They, I know that they, because they made some mine, I know that each of them own some investment properties. And what most people do from a business point of view, to not go under completely, you offload something that gives you some liquidity, you put it back into your business to keep you afloat because this problem right now is, is flow of cash. <laughs> That's our, our problem right now. So if you can put some of that money back in, uh, you can keep your business open. But here's the big thing. It's not just the business. It's the 50 to 100 people that they employ. That's, that's the trick here. Uh, you know, if they go under, 50 to 100 people go back into the queue, into UIF queue, and we know that that relief fund can only last so long. And we've already seen uh, the, the effect on that. So I'm not uh, I'm not worried about next week and next month. I'm worried about September, October, November, and beyond. 100% and that effect. Um, now, and, and before I ask you the, the next question, uh, Adrian, which is around, you know, is there a safe way to balance the risk of the economy? Um, I'm going to ask that question in a minute. I can see there's quite a few new people joining. Please, if you have any questions for um, Adrian uh, or Barry from Chaz Everett or Solna State, now is your time to ask it. If you are any state agent um, and you're in a bad situation, you've got any questions, or it could be, um, I know I've got some mates that actually sold property just before uh, before lockdown and they had an offer agreed on another property and they're asking me questions. Well, Andrew, what's going to happen? And, you know, will I lose that property? And so we'll get into that conversation as well. But in the meantime, I can see quite a few people. Jenny, you've joined. Chaz Everett, Bryanson, brilliant. Jason, uh, Jason Quinn, Chaz Everett, uh, Bluff. Fantastic. Remember to let all the other agents know um, and let your friends and family know about this live call. And remember, just go to joinsappen.com forward slash COVID-19 because we are recording this. Um, let's come to you, Adrian, again. A question came through. Is there a safe way to balance the risks to the economy as well as the risks of containing the spread of this disease? In other words, can real estate services be made available in a way that it is safe? Yes. Next question. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, the, the answer is is yes, and we put we put a proposal forward to uh, in our submission to government in that respect, and I'm sure so, so did Chairs Everett, and I know that the industry did that as a as a unit, as Robosa and the NPPC. Um, in fact, we made a nine page submission of which four of those pages were how to do exactly that. Now I'm not going to go into all the detail. No one wants to go into the boring detail of you know one on one or one to zero and doing virtual virtual open house. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can do and all, you know, sanitizing. We all know that. But but the answer, short answer is yes. And it wasn't just the thumb suck. You know, those regulations that were submitted were based on New Zealand and Australia's real estate regulations under the same level four. And they had been working really well under, uh, under, under the, um, the circumstances that they find themselves in. Did you say that you did email government, Adrian? Yeah, that's right. On the 27th, I believe. Um, I forget yeah. the date, but it was when we were asked to. to that, it was that Monday. Whatever that Monday was, I forget the date. Okay. Um, so, um, and they haven't responded, have they, or have they? Uh, not officially. The response I've had is uh, it's been acknowledged and it's been con- and it will be considered. That was on, mm. at the time. No, no, I, I emailed the, the, the overall email, lockdown comments at... But, 
I would imagine thousands did, and stuff gets lost in the wash there. So we also sent it to the Department of Trade and Industry directly to Minister Patel through his aides and yep. to the Department of Human Settlements, who we fall under through the State Agency Affairs Board to uh, Minister Lindiwe Sisulu. And both DTI and uh, Department of Human Settlements replied to say we received and acknowledged. Um, but that's all I've had. I haven't had anything <laughs> no, more. Sure. Keep chasing the Adrian. And Barry, on your side, um, have you also sent some letters? What are you doing to 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 try to change this? So, you know, we, we've done all this, similar things to what Adrian is talking about. I think this push is coming from working together with the ecosystems that we support. We are major cog in the wheel. We know conveyances are open. We know the banks are open. So we've been working with the banks closely to get the bank support. That's happened nicely. Um, and, and I think what you could understand from a government perspective, they have this massive economy. Uh, for so what up to do, and they've closed this economy down, and now they have to unlock it. But the important thing is, it's not just about it's not just about us as an industry. There's many other industries. So we push to our industry bodies and have have collaborated well together, and we work very well with them and I think we're starting to get some sort of headway on um, and, and we're just looking for clarification in areas. Sure. Okay, thank you very much for that, Barry. Um, okay, Adrian, I'm going to come to you all still on one of the two. Um, so Michael van Niekerk uh, from Cal's whatever, Chaz Everett was saying, can the EAAB not set up a relief fund for agents they sit on a massive amount of agent fees. So is that for you or is that for you, Adrian? <laughs> I almost want to pass that ball to Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> so, so because the session's being recorded, I'm going to uh, temper my response. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, I, I do know that uh, Robosa and the National Property Practitioners Council, which is newly formed, has made a request to the Estate Agents Affairs Board for some sort of relief. Now, relief fund, look, I can't answer what they're going to do. That's, that's really up to them. Um, things like fidelity fund fees that get paid, you know, that can't be used. That's, that's, there for, for, um, that's there to protect the consumer. So that, that absolutely can't, can't be touched. But things that they uh, can look at, and I believe they are considering, who knows where it will end up, is the CPD fees that get paid either a, a to scrap it this year or a deferment in payment or reduction in payments. I mean, I don't know where it will end, but I do know that request has been made and it's being considered. But I guess we just have to wait to see what, what happens on the back of that. Okay, brilliant. Thank you so much. And Barry, any any uh, response from your side on that question or not? On the yeah, EAB um, fund? As Adrian, mentioned, as, as Adrian mentioned, it's difficult to do because these are governed by certain acts. And they, they can't amend an act. So the CPD that agents uh, short term um, and what they could do is probably a deferment or don't charge penalties. Those are the th kind of things that they, they could seriously consider. Um, as Adrian mentioned correctly, that the State Agents Affairs Board, our regulators, there to look after the consumers. Our businesses are also consumer facing, and, and that's the way that we, we run our businesses. But to ask for relief from a fund, it is something that we've done through Rubosa, and I'm not sure what the response would be there. I'm not sure if it's possible legally. Sure. 
Okay, thank you, Barry. And Barry, um, this question, I guess, is for you and for Adrian. So um, this is Miguel Martins, uh, Absa Bank, and he's a property investor in his own right. And he says, so look, in the, in the current circumstances, and the question is, how can the industry do things differently uh, now to be able to operate the, under the current circumstances? How would you answer that, Barry? So we are doing virtual showings. We, we sold uh, about 280, billion, uh, 280 million rands during, during the month of April during lockdown. But that's not our normal volumes. That's like 20, 28% of our, our normal volumes, 30% of our normal volumes. So, you know, that's, that leaves holes. Um, most buyers do want to see the property that they're actually viewing. And it's as, as the property practitioners uh, act says, we need to make sure that each one of our agents are compliant. And we have to do full disclosure. Now, if we have a seller who fills in a disclosure document digitally and we have a buyer who use a, uses a Matterport virtual tour, uh, which does sizes, et cetera, and he buys that property, we're still responsible for full disclosure of defects, et cetera. And if we don't, you know, what ultimately happens is the contract would, would rely on footstoots. And if there's a defect that could have uh, legal legal consequences for, for the parties to get into a squabble. And because we as a state agents are responsible for that disclosure, that would be negative, negatively impact us unwillingly. So these are all the unintended consequences that happen um, with these laws. We are, however, understanding that the government will consider these motivations that we're putting through and, and will consider it and when they open they will will do so we're just going to keep on knocking on those doors from every avenue sure. that we can to get them open so uh, barry just to clarify what you said uh, did you say in the month of april you did have virtual 360 tours you had buyers that watched these tours and they and they said yes we'll put an offer forward based on yes i haven't gone to the property but i've seen the virtual 360 tour is that right that is correct yes so we've not also through photographs, so you can do full presentations to show a home fully on these kind of platforms. So our agents have done this, our development agents sold in excess of 50 million rands worth of transactions based on plans and position and 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 um, uh, Google Earth Maps, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, a lot of the developers have been quite forward thinking that we work with and, and have come with uh, concessions during this time to lower prices and make the offerings more accessible. So from an investor point of view, this is a great time to buy uh, where, where there are motivated people who are needing to sell. And, and this is, the mechanisms we've used are the digital mechanisms. And Barry, you're saying that there's actually a question before you answered the question. His question was, and this is Quentin Campbell. He said, Barry, they're saying that, they saying this, that this best possible time to buy property, but will all that be affected by lockdown with all, Okay, let me rephrase this question. What he's saying is, how we 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 restrict to buy lockdown. People are saying that you know now's the time to buy because of crisis and all of this. Um, and how can they take advantage? Well, I think you've answered the question about saying you know you are still selling properties. People can still assume are there e-signing offers or banks accepting um, offer to purchase without signatures? Because I've heard that as well. Okay, so so what happens is is the we can fax documents. So if we email a scan document through to somebody, they can sign it. Their attorneys are now open uh, under level four, will be able to have contracts signed. A lot of these have been done 
with um, the confirmation to be held after we come out of lockdown, so they're conditional on on um, on on viewing. So there is a suspense of conditions, but we have taken the interest that we've had and converted it. But obviously, that's in a minority. You know, virtual tours and 360 tours and Matterport virtual reality tours are not going to are, are not going to be the saving grace. People have to get out of lockdown and have to go and see properties ultimately. And even the people that need to do the all the compliance and the certificates, etc., that Adrian alluded to earlier, um, have to have to do it physically. There's a lot of work that still has to be done physically, and we believe and. A controlled environment with controlled hygiene protocols, one-on-one, -on -one, whatever the ratios are, we will be able to do that effectively. And if car dealerships, for example, can be open and sell cars, uh, I don't understand why real estate agents aren't. So we think it's an omission and maybe an oversight, and that's why we'll keep knocking on all the doors we need to until that door opens. Exactly. Thank you so much, Barry. Um, and Adrian, a question here that's just come in from... David Cornwell, are there any other methods for agents themselves to send submissions or pleas to government to support the actions undertaken by the likes of Robosa? How can they also get behind this and, and support you? Well, absolutely. I mean, they can all make submissions. Obviously, it was called for on the, that Monday, I forget, on 27th or whatever it was. Anybody is welcome to write in. Um, and what we're trying to figure out actually is, is the best strategy. Is the best strategy to have one organization represent 46,000 and then send in a submission, which is what we did, and then some agency, some, um, if I can call it heads of agencies like Remax and Chaz and Golding and CIF, et cetera, send in? Or is it that you actually need 46,000 submissions that you flood an inbox to show? At the moment, we tried the, we tried the initial strategy of sending via, via Rebosa and NPPC at the next round. Maybe all of us need to need to submit. Yeah. I mean, we sent in a nine-page uh, nine-page submission. Maybe it doesn't need nine pages. Maybe it just needs a, a summary in terms of uh, some of the reasons why we should be going back. If whoever does write it, whoever I forget. Sorry, I forget the caller's name. Or, but whoever sends that in, there's three things you need to focus on when you write in, and that's the um, the risk of transmission. So you have to be able to give reasons as to why you believe your industry or your profession. Uh, will, is uh, how you can mitigate risk of transmission. Two is the economic multiplier that your industry finds itself in. Like how do you impact others around you and so that you don't be seen just in isolation. And three is the economic stress on your industry. What we tend to do as realtors is always look at ourselves, look at look at our situation, look look how bad we find ourselves in. But that's only that's only a tiny part of the of the picture. If you paint the multiplier effect, it's. I worry for the economy, really. I mean, we wrote an article, a press release just a few days ago. I really worry for the economy over the next three or four months. Look, and in every situation, like we heard just a few seconds ago from Barry, there's an opportunity. I mean, this is the SA property network, which is made up of mainly investors. There's some works in here that are going to be like um, like the, 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 uh, the Oracle of Omaha. They've just been waiting for this time. They've been waiting for this so that they can... Yeah, you get yeah. stuck in at the right time. So, and well, I've got, I've got some students already. You know, they they're hunting, they're looking for properties, they find, and they are finding bargains. But you know, I always say to them, you know, you've got to trade with caution. And and the thing is, right now, we are getting a lot of contacts and emails 
from people wanting to enter into the residential market. And my view is, you know, I've been doing property for about 15 years, and I said, look, it's fine, but you've got to trade with caution. You've got to know what you're getting yourselves in for. You just get that basic level of education. Don't think you're going to jump into this market and just make money. And that's why you'll see this Saturday, which I, if there's time, I'll chat about it later. But this Saturday, between 9 to 4 o'clock, if there's anyone watching that's never bought an investment property before, there is a workshop that is purely based around the fundamentals of property. This Saturday, 9 o'clock to 4 o'clock, um, if Dave's out there, Michelle, post a link, let them know. Do not, do not jump into this market without understanding what the risks are. Okay, so I thought I'll just I'll put that out there. And just remember, um, on, on the jointsapman.com forward slash COVID-19 page, Adrian, everything you just said, I'm going to ask you for in writing. If you need us to get this message out to our whole database, we'll do it. If you need the SF Property Investors Network support to, uh, to, to send an email, we'll get all our members. Um, and we are, yes, we are investors, but, we, but we've also got estate agents, you know, one-man bands, big agencies as well. Um, and we'll definitely support you in that. Um, Silna, a question came through from James Cunningham um, from Chaz Everett, and he said, um, what about the municipalities, uh, clearance certificates? Are we seeing those coming through? Maybe give us an update uh, where, uh, as to where we are with that, Silna. Yes, all right. So in terms of the regulations, um, municipalities are allowed to trade for essential services. So that's unfortunately at this stage not clearly defined because um, what is the essential part of a municipality? Is it just the rates and taxes? Is it just a utility element? Or is it um, a clearance certificates as well? At this stage, I think since the deeds offices are still not, not running, there hasn't been a lot of pressure um, on the municipalities yet on, on, on rate clearance certificates. Um, so at this stage, we do suspect that we're going to be able to get our rates clearances and we will be able to proceed um, with that once the deeds offices are actually functioning again. So it's, again, one of those answers where we're going to have to say, we're going to have to, to wait and see a little bit, um, but we do believe a lot of the municipalities are gearing up to be able to do mm. this. Um, and then Silva, another question from Jenny Gardner. She's from uh, Remax. Now, online signatures. So let's say, for example, uh, Chaz Everett or Remax sent me a contract and it comes through to my inbox and I don't print it. I just sign it online, right? And send it back. What Jenny's saying is our understanding is that that is not legal and binding. Can you clarify? <laughs> that that is a long that is a long answer, but I'll try and keep him short. It depending it depends on what we sign and what that particular contract um, says about signature. I kid you not. So it's unfortunately not a blanket answer. The Alienation of Land Act requires us to sign offer to uh, an offer to purchase in writing. So if the contract allows. For, for instance, an advanced electronic signature where there's actual authentication on the signature. So a registered um, signature in terms of the electronic, um, the, the, the electronic act, that one, that deals with um, how you sign, how you can sign uh, contracts electronically. Unless it's an advanced electronic signature and the parties agree that that would ex be acceptable on an offer to purchase um, that would not be acceptable. However, like uh, Adrian, I think you referred to that, attorneys are allowed to function in level four. So the truth is we are able 
to send our messengers with the necessary uh, protection, obviously, out to clients to have documents signed. An offer to purchase um, must be signed in writing. A lease agreement doesn't have to be in writing. So if the parties agree to have it, uh, just say, for instance, send an email back and forth to agree to the terms, I'm happy with that to be signed later, unless the lease agreement specifically defines signature in a way where it will not be allowed, um, and that has to then be done in writing. It's an easy way of getting around this. If you insert bid in an offer to purchase a lease agreement, whatever the case might be, a clause to allow signature in counterpart, it's easy enough. So then at least you have only one party at a time to, to deal with this problem. So then the one party can sign and you effectively have two separate documents signed separately, read together as one contract. So it's, oh. a, it's a very entertaining thing to do, but you can get around that. Um, and plan. especially with attorneys functioning, it makes it a little easier for everybody. Now, Sean, uh, Solna, was that your short answer or your long answer? Middle, middle. <laughs> middle answer. Okay, great. Andrew, Andrew um, can I come in? Can I yes, ask a question? Can I just add in? You know, yes. one of the things that have to happen within a real estate office is your inventory comes in, you market it, you sell it, you, you send it through to the conveyances, they do their processing and it gets registered. So there's a whole bunch of work that happens then. But the inventory has to come in. So we've, we've got some technology that we've developed that's allowed the, the owners to provide us the necessary photographs, give us the necessary legal consents, sign, uh, agree to the signatures of the, the, the terms of the contract, whether it's an open or exclusive marketing contract to do, do the marketing for them. And that facilitates the process so the inventory can still come in. That's one of the challenges I think that Adrian uh, mentioned when we look at what's, what's gonna happen around about September, October. If there's no new stock coming in, there's no new stock to sell, and that takes time. That's another that's another lead time that's left out, and that's absolutely necessary. Exactly. Thank you for that, Barry. And, and, and as we were chatting here, um, Lauren Swart just said, we received clearance figures for a property earlier this week from the city of Johannesburg. Thanks for that, Lawrence. Now, this, this next question, Barry, is for you and it's for Adrian. This is from Christian Janssen at 360 Fin, which is the boutique financing company. Um, he says, what do you see as the biggest change, uh, Barry, post-lockdown, if you had to predict something in the real estate industry? What's one thing you think will definitely change moving forwards? I think the ability for people to not necessarily go to offices. Um, I think agents don't need to be in offices all day. I think like they previously were, thought that it was comfortable. So I think this has proved the companies that have the technology and those that have jumped into it quickly and learned very quickly uh, can can trade afar. I don't think we're going to have a lot of show. We won't have show days. I think the properties will be, there will be less viewings of property and only with specific people. So the behaviors will change. And I think more consumer facing rather than sales transaction, more about relationship building. I think that's going to be the, the sure. message. And before I come to you, Adrian, um, Barry, one last question for yourself. Um, Barry, people are people say property prices are going to be dropping. Uh, the question is, do you do you think rental prices will be dropping as well? Just in your opinion, I think the. Uh, I think it's all about affordability and how strong the market is to be able to afford what's being offered. So it's going to be about supply demand. If if people can't 
afford to buy homes and they have to rent, that demand for rentals might increase and maybe the demand for houses might decrease other than the, the investors that are savvy that want to get in in, in that in, in the bearish market. So I think uh, I think it's a, 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 it's not a straightforward question and it also depend on the economies that we find themselves in. We, we have macro economies, we've got cities, we've got small markets. The Northern Cape, for example, that's been badly hit previously by a slower economy than, than probably Johannesburg is going to even feel it even worse. So, you know, it's, it's not a straightforward question. No, absolutely. And, and it's how long is a piece of string, right? We have to wait until the time. And that's why all we can perhaps do, Barry, is plan for the worst, is assume, you know, what if what, what if rents do drop and property prices drop? And I was saying this to someone yesterday, if I agree a price now with an agent, um, and, and it may be a good deal today, right, based on the market value today. But will that be the market value in August this year? The market value may be a lot less. Who knows? So the good deal today may not be the good deal in a few months. And that's the uncertainty we're in. Um, so a question, so um, Adrian, same question to you. Um, but before I jump to you, Sola, very quickly, David Cornwell just said, can attorneys who are registered as estate agents as well sell property? Um, and now I think that's a that's a very good question. Attorneys, remember we we are allowed to as prop, uh, as uh, legal practitioners to trade. So if you are a legal practitioner, you can't use your uh, certificate from the LPC uh, to to trade as um, as an agent. I must say, I think as much as you're the same person, I think the duties that we are uh, are doing uh, it has to be in terms of the Property Practitioners Act, not the uh, but are they in terms of the legal practitioners, sure. not the property practitioners. Act. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. So, um, Adrian, what is your view or what's your, you know, what is one thing you believe will change post-lockdown? So, without trying to echo exactly what Barry said, that is going to be the biggest thing, especially in a real estate office. I mean, when I go to some of our franchisees and I see an office full of agents, I get really worried because that's not that's not where they should be. They should be out and about seeing clients. So what we've all been sitting on the fence for a long time. You know, I'll talk to, to brokerages and franchises and go, you know, um, well, have you ever thought about hot desking? And for the last few years, for five, six years, we've been talking about it. Oh, well, I need I need one desk, one man, one desk. Uh, uh, agents won't be able to operate. Well, I know we're not currently operating, but we've proved that it can be done. So there's two sides to it. From a real estate point of view, I think your 400 square meter type offices are going to be a thing of the past. The flip side of that, for the investors listening here, you might want to consider that early on. Because if I'm thinking about that, every other industry that's figured out that 70 to 80% of what they can do can be done remotely. Well, I hope my landlord isn't listening right now because my <laughs> lease comes up in the middle of next year and I'm not sure I need all the space I need. So... That would be, for me, a takeout and something that would change drastically. Um, I also think what will, will come on the back of that is a different management style across different industries. Obviously, real estate across different industries, as opposed to being time-based, going to be outcome-based. I don't care how long you work today, did you do what you needed to do, which is really what it should be, uh, should be right now. The thing that I believe at the end of this pandemic or once we back to sort of a semblance of normality, I put that quote on quote because I don't know what that looks like, um, I watched a webinar not too long ago, and the guy, when he finished it off, he was talking about um, what's happening around the world and trends, and mainly the U.S., but trends around the world. And he finished off by saying, just make sure that you're around for the rebound, because there's always a rebound. 
there will always be a rebound. The curve, will, the curve will go up and the curve will go down. We don't know how long the U-shape is because I don't think ours is a V-shape. It's a U-shape. We don't know how long it will be. But do whatever you need to. Box clever. Do whatever it takes because when you're around for the rebound, there will be less people around and you'll be the person that they'll be going to. Absolutely. And the biggest thing around that, um, Adrian, is getting the right education, right? Understanding what strategy do you want. Is it bar to let, multi let, student accommodation? Do you want to flip? These are the questions I get asked. So just remember, for anyone watching this, this Saturday between 9 o'clock and 12 o'clock, if you've never bought an investment property before, uh, check out the link on the Facebook comment. Check it out. Um, Leroy Slover and Zach Maezza, he was the the beginner winner of the Investor of the Year 2019. Uh, he himself and Leroy Slava will be uh, taking you through the journey, the seven golden rules, what to think about, how to run the numbers. So that's happening this Saturday. Um, if you do want to watch a recording of this, remember it's on, it's, it's, it's on our page. It's simple. Just go to jointsappin.com forward slash COVID-19. It's free to register and you can access this recording later. So to wrap this up, I'm going to ask Barry, Silna and Adrian, what is one thing you'd like to leave our listeners um, going into this weekend? I'll start with you, Mr. Everett. Barry? Hi, Andrew. I would say, we're seeing that your, most of your listeners are investors. I would say when investing, don't try to time the market. If you see that the market's going to go uh, become more of a buyer's market, do your homework, get your finances in place, make sure you pick the areas, make sure you pick your investment carefully and follow all the advice that you're probably going to get on the Saturday Saturday session. But don't try to time it for hitting the bottom because nobody knows when the bottom happens and nobody understands where, where the top is. So you've got to understand that shift and when it's right for you and you've done your research, will be the right time. Just make sure you're up to date with that research. Sure. Um, and, and, and one thing I always say, Barry, is, and this is just my opinion, right? so I can't say I'm right or wrong, it's what I believe in. I believe that there's never a right or wrong time to invest in real estate because real estate will always be there regardless what happens. And it's just the strategies and the attitude and the risk you're going to take jumping into the market. Would you agree with that? 100% right. 100% right. Cool. Thank you very much for that. That Barry Everett from Chairs Everett. Thank you very much. Now, Silver Stain, uh, what is one piece of advice or what's your opinion? What do you want to leave our listeners going into the weekend, this weekend? Andrew, I think uh, on the questions and things I've been getting this week, I think the most important thing I want to leave is decide what you're going to spend your energy on. To spend energy on being upset about the regulations or um, trying to find like little loopholes. It's not going to happen. Remember, I've been getting questions this week constantly. Can tenants move? No, tenants cannot move. To to ask the question in 500 different ways, um, you're spending the energy on, on things that we can't change right now. Like what everybody is doing, trying to get the property industry working on the level four. There are enough people really spending enough time on this. Throw your energy into something that can make a change instead of falling into this numbing, um, the almost just sitting back, scrolling mindlessly through social media and using like the anger face constantly like I'm so angry um, uh, uh, decide what you are spending your energy on to try and change things is very important but do it in the right way um, negative energy uh, going out constantly 
isn't going to make you happy and seriously not going to give you a lovely weekend. Um, so except um, the regulations where we are, because to try and push um, the limits here isn't something like a landlord that's sort of pushing his luck, seeing what's going to happen if he locks a tenant out or disconnect utility uh, utilities. You're not going to leave with a slap on a wrist here. You are going to leave um, in a cheese van to the police station, and we're talking six months jail sentence and an actual criminal record for pushing uh, for pushing the boundaries. So join the right people to make actual changes and decide what you spend your energy on. Awesome. Thank you so much for the valid advice, Silna. That's Silna Stan from SSL Incorporated. Thank you, and I'll be speaking to you soon, Silna. Okay, Adrian Godler from Remax. What is your one thing? So from my side, my advice would be you have no control over the result. You only have control over your actions. So make sure that whatever you do right now, you're working on yourself. You've been given 42 days, I think it is so far, and you're probably going to be given a few more to be able to work on your personal development and yourself. Because at the end of this period, you're going to say one of two things. You're going to say, I'm glad I did, or you're going to say, I wish I had. And it's up to you to decide which one of those sentences you want to, um, to be yours. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Adrian. So it's Barry Silman. Adrian, thank you for your time. We have come to the end. So here's the thing, ladies and gents. If there's any specific speaker or topic that you want us to cover next week, Thursday, at 1 o'clock, because we do go live on Facebook at 1 p.m. every single Thursday, reach out and let us know. And if you have any questions, I see there's more questions in there. We have run out of time. Just go to our, just go to SA Property Investors Network. Go to the group to ask your questions. We have Miguel, uh, Miguel Martin from Absa Bank, Christian Janssen. We have a whole range of property investors ready to answer any property-related questions. So you can take your questions online. For those of you, uh, or if you know of anyone wanting to enter the market but feel like you need a bit more education, that's happening this Saturday between 9 o'clock and 1 o'clock with Leroy and Zach. Um, and for the rest of you, let us know what you want to cover next Thursday. Um, besides that, have a great weekend and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us on Prop Chat, brought to you by SA Property Investors Network. Make sure you visit their website, www.sapropertynetwork.com, where you will find ebooks, webinars, newsletters, training videos, property assessment tools, event tickets, and much more. Hit subscribe in your podcast app so you'll never miss a show. SA Property Investors Network, a place where property investors meet. Connect today. Expand tomorrow.